What is going on, everyone? Maddie here from the Driven by Details podcast. So we're entering season two of Driven by Details, and I really want to kind of take a, I don't want to say a different approach this season, but season one, we put out about 30 episodes. And when we started doing the Driven by Details podcast, we were super excited to just kind of share the stories of our past and tell our humble beginnings and some of the things that have transpired over the years. And I'm super grateful to have connected with Kilmer because he's opened the doors to a lot of people that I may have never met had I never met Kilmer. And I'm really excited to see kind of where things move and, and groove from here. As Kilmer likes to say, he always is saying moving and grooving. But as season two gets underway, we're going to be bringing on some friends, guests, and work colleagues and just really talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly in the detailing industry and continue to share the stories behind the shine. And as Kilmer is free and is available, he's going to jump in and chime in for some podcasts when he is available. So season two, you might see some new faces and you might see some new guests, but I want to keep the Driven by Details podcast going. This past season, we have put out 30 episodes and out of those 30 episodes, we've had about 5,000 listens, I think like 4,860 some odd listens as the last I checked today. So um, thank you guys for your support. Driven by Details is a small podcast and we don't have any sponsors and that might change one day. But for now, I really want to keep it organic. I really want to keep it raw. I want to just continue to tell the truth and keep what our passion uh, is in the detailing industry uh, going and really kind of help uh, people that might be struggling and help inspire people and also get inspired by others. I think that's really one of the fun things that's happened over the years is that um, meeting Kilmer, meeting a lot of new people, it's opened up a lot of new doors and it's been great for me to kind of have like maybe a little bit of a rebirth in the detailing industry because before I started Matthew Specialized Detailing, I swore I would not detail cars again. I thought I was leaving the automotive industry. Um, and I did. Uh, and I left the industry only to to venture off into something new. But who would have known that I would have gotten thrown out and then like lassoed back in and pulled in really hard. And, and here we are, you know, many years later, and I'm doing this podcast with, um, with Driven by Details and with Kilmer. And now with bringing on some new guests, I'm really excited about it. So Thank you guys for the support. Uh, I appreciate the messages and I appreciate everyone's patience too, because I really was hoping that we would be able to carve out some time in October to put out another episode after the small business September series. But reality is reality and life got crazy and airplanes and cars and SEMA cars and travel and all that stuff. It was pretty much nuts. So we're going to kick off season two. And I'm joined by David Patterson um, from Obert Car Care and Gloss University. So in this episode that you guys are about to hear, we go back in time and we just touch base on how things unfolded at uh, Robbie Layton's for the Gloss University class, bring you guys up to speed on what's going on with Gloss University. And then we segue into the uh, the whole trip at Beverly Hills Ferrari and um, kind of what led to that and how that all happened and really what happened at Ferrari. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode and I hope you guys stick around for season two. And really, if you guys have any questions, comments, uh, please shoot me a direct message because I, I love hearing from you guys. And we're going to kick off season two. So here we go. Davey P, 
This is season two of Driven by Details. I can't believe that a whole year has passed. And um, I don't even really know where to begin because we have a lot of stuff that we're going to unpack today on this uh, this episode. I, I, it's November. Can you believe it's November? No. I mean, I do because I've been waiting for this time for a long for six weeks so yeah i i do believe it but no too fast too fast well additionally for everybody listening to the podcast like the weather in the midwest we had like a quick little cold spit but then it like warmed back up into the 50s and 60s so the grass is still green it's just very deceiving it's just to me it doesn't feel like november um and i'm not upset about it i'm just kind of just like feel like lost in the space-time continuum if, yeah, yeah 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 for sure if that makes any sense i'm like is it november is it october is it what where are we here so um when this podcast airs it's going to be like two two weeks from thanksgiving so um yeah that's just crazy to think about that's already thanksgiving time so um season two is unfolding and there's just a lot of really cool stuff going on and i don't even really know where to begin but i think we'll we're going to go back in time just a little bit to september and i think it'll kind of pave the road for where we're going and what's actually happening as the 2023 calendar kind of comes to a close because we're both insanely busy right um yeah next level yeah so the um for everybody listening kind of we're gonna go back and start with the class at Robbie Layton's that we did in September uh, and kind of move into some of the SEMA stuff. So we might end up breaking this into two parts because this is going to be a lot of stuff to unpack here. So, and before we even really get into that stuff, um, you know, I want to just touch on what we, what we did this summer from the time the Gloss University class ended at the Ring Brothers. Um, Cause even, even that, like from the time the Gloss U class ended at the end of July. So that basically started us August. 60 days later, we were out uh, doing a pilot course at uh, Robbie Layton's. And before we did that, you and I and, and um, everyone involved in Glossview, Gloss University, we kind of started working on a new footprint, new um, design, and a new layout landscape, whatever you want to call it, for Gloss University that's going to go live here uh, at the start of the new year. And that was a lot to to work on because... You know, these, these detail training things have evolved a lot. And I think the Gloss University uh, concept has also evolved a lot. Um, and so I, I had a lot of fun working on, on creating the new uh, landscape and, and figuring out kind of like version two or generation two of what we're doing in the future. Um, For sure. And it was very, it was very challenging, Dave. Um, oh, it's a lot really, of work. It's a lot of work to to really sit down and critically think about this stuff um, while being busy doing service work was not was not easy for me. It was not easy for you. It was not easy for any of us because, you know, you have like your core main day job and then you have this other thing, which I, I don't want to really call Gloss University a side hustle, but it's kind of almost like that in a way. Mm-hmm. For right? sure. Right. You're, we're kind of like, OK, we have this main core thing, but like this Gloss University is something that we love and we do. And we don't do it all the time. So it is kind of like a side hustle. It's like yeah. we're or in a transitional period, transitional period. Yeah. So, you know, uh, for everybody that's listening, that's always want that's ever wanted to attend a Gloss University class. Um, you know, I, I'll let you talk a little bit about it. But I mean, originally when Gloss University was created, 
it was kind of only offering advanced detailing, which is kind of confused because, or maybe not confusing, but just somewhat different because you're working with maybe a, someone that's been in the industry for a long time and they maybe struggle with one or two or more things and they, they want to come to an event like this and they want to kind of work with the professionals and, and learn some advanced techniques, but it's almost capturing someone like at the end of a, like a sales funnel. So it's like they, someone might attend the gloss university class and they might ever never need to come to a training again. Right. Yeah. And it's, difficult to build um build some of the things that we want to do for training and provide opportunities and create different types of training and i think with what we were doing we were seeing people that were at the top tier of their skill level Mm -hmm. um that had already a bunch of experience and um you know outside of a, a facebook group or something like that there wasn't really um anything else more for them which i mean obviously we've been working on stuff that's more advanced too but um we just kind of restructured some of the things that we wanted to offer and how we wanted to present those things and um do it in a way that would allow people to progress within our program um provide a community for the people that have taken our classes and um build out some additional opportunities for the people that are active or want to be a part of the gloss university family and, and doing what we do, which is, you know, essentially educating people, but, um, sharing our skills and our knowledge and our, um, years of experience. Yeah. And our passion, um, to hopefully provide, um, an easier pathway for, um, their success, whether it's a shop or, um, whether they manage a shop or own a shop or whether they're just getting started in detailing, but whatever those things are, um, be able to give back. I mean, that's, um, one of my main things is, is serving other people and being able to provide them with some of the opportunities and things that other people have given me. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense because, you know, like while we were developing this version 2.0 of gloss university, you know, it, a lot of questions arose and this kind of like, you know, well, will this work or that work? And I think it's pretty cool for us to actually have an opportunity to take some of the things that we built out in the gloss U page and take it across the country out to Utah to Robbie Layton's and kind of do a hybrid class, uh, which was yeah. new for, which was new for us. Um, and, and I'm not going to get into the, the whole layout of the gloss you think, cause that's going to be coming down the pipe soon, but I, there will be different levels of training kind of, you know, like basic intermediate advanced and then some other stuff that kind of flows around the beginning and the ends of those but um what we did at at robbie latenson because i i I really want to get into that because it was something new for us to basically do a what we call like detailing basics or detailing 360 and and i think there's just it was super cool for me because it's remind humble beginnings for me you know, I spent my my years, you know, on the route truck trying to educate people about car care and troubleshoot and problem solve. And I think that's a lot of what detailing is. It's problem solving. And, you know, when you get people like we had at Robbie Layton's, it was very diverse, uh, both like, you know, ethnicity, but also age. We had some older people, we had some younger people there. And I think that that was, that was really special to see. But, you know, I, I think it's, you don't know what you don't know 
been saying that for a long, long time. And I think a lot of people that want to get into auto detailing or want to start a career or path down this road, it can be really confusing and daunting right now mm-hmm. these days, right? Because you watch videos and stuff and videos are cool, right? You're like, you get engaged, you're like, wow, this video is great. And it kind of pulls you in. And then it's just like, you might start working in your garage or on a mobile project. And you're like, well, this isn't as cool as the video. <laughs> and you're like <laughs> moving slow. It's a lot and you're of like, work. It's a lot of work. It's like, I'm yeah. confused. Like, and so it's, it's just, it's kind of a lot. And so what the being able to go and test drive what we want to do with, with uh, the future of Gloucester university, I think it was really special for, to connect with Robbie. Uh, what a great shop he's got. What an awesome setting, you know, cause I, mm-hmm. I, I really think that additionally, you know, everybody knows that I'm a musician and I like, to me, the vibe, the feel of things is important. So it's just like, if we're going to put on a class and we're going to do something, you know, all parts have to line up and make sense because I don't want to put on a class just for the sake of putting on a class, but yeah. the energy at Robbie Layton's was just like, was jumping and yeah, for there sure. was a lo- there was a really positive vibe. And I thought it was so cool that Robbie brought out uh, his friend with the, uh, the coffee truck. What was the name? What was, uh, Oh, I can't remember. man, you're going to, it's going to kill me. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> it's going to pop to me later in the podcast. I'd be like, Oh, yeah. this was the name of it. I know I have it somewhere on my phone, but I'm going to have to, um, look that it was up. really cool. Robbie Layton. Um, he has a, a friend that, uh, that he grew up with and his friend had, um, he's got like a, it's kind of like a food truck, but it's just a coffee house. You know, it's a trailer that he serves coffee. So he parked it in front of Robbie Layton's for the day. And, you know, Robbie took care of coffee. And I just thought it was a really nice gesture for attendees to go and be like, you know, hey, I'm going to go grab a iced coffee or a hot coffee or whatever they want. And um, it was that was really cool. You know, it was that, was, cool. that was, you know, normally good coffee, too. It was good coffee. And normally, yeah. normally you and I, um, you know, are kind of running around like, like madman doing, procuring, you know, uh, coffee, pastries and stuff in the morning. So it was nice to have kind of one less thing on our plate <laughs> to have yeah. to really, to have to worry about, but it was, I can't find it. Well, that's I okay. give up. I give up. I give up. That's okay. That's all right. It'll, it, in the 11th hour, I'm going to be like, Dave, that's the name. It popped in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it was really I think these classes too, you know, for us to put on more of a beginner's detailing class, I think there was some lessons in there for us to kind of for slow sure. down, you know, a little bit because, you know, I, I love the car washing aspect of detailing. I mean, really and truly, it's it's more, one of my more favorite parts, if I'm being, being truthful about it. Um, and I've always said this, that, you know, detailing begins where car washing ends, you know, and so... A lot of these things that we do on these cars, you know, there, there's there's only so much you can do when you clean something, right? And then there's like another level to that, right? And that's like, that's what leads us into some of these these packages with detailing. But, you know, I, I think if you really don't understand the basics and you don't understand the foundation of something, it makes it really challenging to make it into those next tiers of auto detailing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I, I think that there's there's a tremendous amount of value that we have yet to kind of unfold and provide for future classes because, you know, those really basic components of auto detailing sets the tone for. Yeah. I mean, but, and Gloss University's different 
than I, I believe is different than a lot of other trains in the approach. And, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we learn some things. I mean, I sure. think when most people look at a, um, a, an entry level detailing class is probably like, here's the steps to detailing a car and this is kind of how you do it. And here's some products and, and this might be why you want to do it this way where, um, I think our approach is more gloss you like if, if sure. that makes sense where it was, um, understanding, um, pH values of chemicals yep. and understanding what happens, why, um, why vehicles get dirty the way that they get dirty, um, sure. whether it's static or, or different things like that. And then, um, how to approach those, um, processes from a place of knowledge versus just like, Oh, well, we spray this on this cleans it. We use all purpose cleaner and then it's clean, you know, right. um, which both have value. I just think that it's our approach. I mean, and, um, so it was a lot of information in a short period of time sure. and, uh, and yeah, just learned some things on what we could do better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, I mean, the ultimate goal is to have a training center, you know, where we can actually have all our stuff set up. Because mm -hmm. truth be told, I mean, it's it's a lot of work takes showing the road, you know. For sure. I mean, you know, it's just breaking down the shop and making sure you got all the tools and making sure you don't fall short of something, making sure there's, you know, that you're as well prepared as you could be, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to having some future, um, or I should say some past attendees on to kind of maybe get their experience at Colossus University. Because I wonder if, like, you know, like sometimes we're like, not, I don't want to say panic mode, but like just ramped up. I'm sure, yeah. you know, it could be similar experience for somebody else like that's attending one of the trainings. But anyways, I don't want to get too far off with all this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just excited that we're podcasting and I'm excited. Yeah. There's, there's so much stuff to talk about. There is since, a ton of time. stuff to talk since about. September. So that was we did. It was originally the original plan was to do two individual one day courses. But because of our other um, because of the other things that we needed to do. Uh, throughout the year and going into Ferrari, we decided to make uh, just to do a one day course, which I think was the right thing. It was easy for everybody to kind of get in. And some of the people that live locally were able to come down for the day and then yeah. make it back home. Um, cost I effective. Just, yep. Yep. Cost effective and just uh, was, was the right thing to do. So, um, you know, I really enjoy kind of being able to to demonstrate all that stuff during the wash prep process, because I think it's like I mentioned before, it's very valuable. And so the, the, the basics course that we did with Robbie, we kind of uh, did our introductions as typical we do in the morning. Then we did our after introductions. We got right down to working uh, wash prep really quick. We had group activities and we had, you know, uh, wash prep. If I remember correctly, I, we did two cars. We did, I think we did two cars before lunchtime. That's right. We did Robbie's truck and then we did the rental. And then after lunch, we, um, we, you know, we pulled the, the vehicles in and we basically kind of just did like a, a an introduction to machine polishing. Yep. So people can kind of get the basic understandings of what it, what you're doing when you're using a tool, what it feels like to have these in your hands, you know, just arm movements, that type of stuff. And yeah. And a bunch of medium polishes. <laughs> yeah. And a bunch of medium That's, polishes. Yeah. A little 205, a little Sonex Perf finish, a little Overk Sole. What else do we right. have? Um, but we have a variety of them. And um, um, some Rupes um, polishes, some yellow pads, Overk yellow pads, 
uh, mm-hmm. Ripez yellow pads, um, some Lake Country orange pads, I think, too. But just kind of some uh, good one-step polishing pads and uh, introduction to machine sure. polishing. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think it's really valuable, too, to that we do have those, the extra, t- like, different tools, different pads, mm-hmm. because, you know, when you, you're bringing in a group of people, it's some people be like, well, I've only used the orange pad, or I only use this yellow pad, or I only use this pad. And so when it's all there, it kind of, it to me, it sparks conversation because people are like, well, what's this? I've never used this before. And mm-hmm. when would you use this pad? Or why would you use that pad? So it's it's just good conversation piece to have multiple things to play with and test with um, just because somebody may or may not be familiar with something, if that makes any sense. But Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and to, you know, questions on why you would use one over another or, you know, different things like that. And sure. Um, most of the time it doesn't, they're all very similar, but there are yeah. differences and where you might use one over another. Right. Right. No, it was, well, I know, I know that it was a cool and fun class mostly because at the end of the day, like when the class ended pretty much half the class, nobody wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. they were all sticking around and so i always think that's like a good sign when you know when when the class goes well but i i i really want to go back to robbie's soon because um hopefully next year we can we can find a way to squeeze a class in with him because i think he's got number one he's got the space um he's got a big shop and he's got plenty of compressed air and that's always been a big I think enough people really understand that because we've had people reach out to us and they're like, oh, I want, you know, we got to do a class here. We got to do a class there. And and which is great and fun, but sometimes logistically it just doesn't work. And especially when we're demonstrating, you know, the DA sanding, you know, trying to hook up, oh, yeah. you know, seven or eight DA polishers to a, an air compressor. Or 20. Or 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now we try to split them, you know, when we have full classes, split them down in the middle and, um, you know, take half half hand sand, half DA sand, just to give people the opportunity to do it and have enough air. Um, right. Otherwise, you just have too much um, fluctuation in air pressure, and um, the tools don't perform, you know, correctly or consistently. And then people are questioning whether they're doing it right, and um, yeah. it becomes too much of an issue. So, yeah, air is a huge, huge deal when it comes to doing that. Even though it's sure. just, just for the small section of DA sanding, it, it's important. And we use some air polishers too, the the Rupes air polishers that require some air and yep. um, blow guns to clean stuff out. And um, so it, it is very consuming along with the electric consumption to have um, the capability to run, you know, 10 to 20 polishers at the same time is, is a lot. And it uh, is a lot. It's not as easy or as, um, capable as what most people think when they're like oh i got a great shop but they haven't had 20 people working in it at the same time either right right yeah and i so for everybody listening to the podcast i know if if you've been one of the guys that's asked us about you know training possibly at a shop that is that's really kind of the answer i mean in a perfect world if we had time and resources we'd want to do them everywhere but it's a lot of work um you know planning these things and i and i know we're going to have uh, we're going to release the 2024 schedule here by the end of the year for our classes that we have coming down the pipe. So there's there's a lot of cool stuff um, paint, coming paint, down. The, yeah. Paint shops work very well, and uh, paint shops work well. Yeah, because yeah. they 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 need a lot of air for spraying paint, um, but they also need to have a good even 
consistent supply of air that's dry. So usually you have a pretty large compressor system tied in with a, a dryer and uh, you got everything you need. Yeah. And I, I also see some hidden value in, in bringing like when they're done at, you know, like collision shops or paint shops, I think it's an opportunity to, to bring some of the paint and body guys together with the detail guys. Yep. I think more of those get their needs, you know, Kilmer's been saying that forever. Yeah. You know, there needs to be more integration with, you know, well, with those guys. Em it embraces what we do and that's pretty much crossing over from collision and detail for high level finishing and, um, yeah. so being able to be in a paint shop or a collision repair shop or something like that is definitely the right type of vibe. And if it's custom car shop, it's even better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Well, well, speaking of high end stuff, I want to kind of jump into the Ferrari stuff when we left Robbie's, but yeah. I just remembered the name of the place, the coffee place. It was the perk, the perk. You're right. <laughs> the perk, Davey P that was, the... that was it. That was it. The perk. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was the perk. You're right. So, yeah, we flew in basically um, when Friday. we got to Robbie's. It was Friday. We had the class Saturday, and then Sunday we actually stayed late because um, our uh, our flight was out late that night. So we didn't get into uh, – we were flying from Salt Lake City to Los Angeles to go to Beverly Hills Ferrari to work with Ferrari for the week. Uh, yeah. we were, And so we, we kind of had a whole a whole plan. You, I remember um, – how how exhausted we both were uh, when we got to, to to LA because we flew when we flew out of Salt Lake City it was a late flight and then uh, we got into LA and it was like showing up in LA at like midnight on a Sunday thinking an airport would be dead and it was total freaking chaos remember that trying right. to trying to grab an Uber and then and then finally we we made it to our place at like whatever time that was one or two in the morning yeah never got the never got the rental car just went straight to the house just went straight to the Airbnb. So, um, you know, I'm, I know a few people have asked some questions about the, the Beverly Hills Ferrari thing. And I just want to, you know, kind of like, I want to really unpack this because it's, I think it's a big deal and it's a really cool thing, way things have unfolded. Um, you know, Ronnie via the, the, the main captain there, the main detail guy at Ferrari, he's been with Beverly Hills Ferrari now, I think for 12 years going on 13, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, he's a, a transplant and him and I were detailing cars here in the Midwest in the nineties. Right. And I learned so much stuff from him, you know, cause I was Ronnie's a whole kind of generation older than us. Ronnie's in his fifties. So he's, he's, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, the old dog, right. And it's like, you know, they always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I don't think that's entirely true. I mean, especially when you have an open mind, but you know, Ronnie, when I started Matthew specialized detailing full time, he was, you know, following me on social media and Instagram and stuff and kind of, even though Ronnie's not like, he's not really big into that stuff, right? He doesn't, yeah. he's not posting on Facebook and Instagram a lot because he's always working, right? <laughs> we'll talk about how busy he is and how well Ronnie works. But point being, Ronnie was, was honest with himself, kind of like, man, these Ferraris that come off the boat, these things are really, it takes me too long to work on one. And I can't get it done quick enough. And, and it just, it puts me behind. And so he came out to my shop um, and spent three days with me in May of 22. Yeah, May of 2022. Um, we worked on a, a Corvette. Worked on a, uh, 
two, uh, what was it, last year or this year, a 19 vet. Watch Ronnie was, you know, like those Corvettes, they're not easy cars to work on. Mm-hmm. That, and I remember Ronnie talking to me about that, about, you know, like possibly, not, I'm not comparing a Corvette to a Ferrari, but, you know, with the sharp body lines on a Corvette, there's sometimes match those of a Ferrari where, you know, you have very thin paint on an edge. So I think it was a, it was a great test specimen for us to work on because we all know GM black paint is not easy. And if you can get GM paint to kind of do, do its thing, you can kind of take those, you know, those, uh, those processes and procedures and make it work with other stuff. So Ronnie um, is super old school. And so for everybody listening to this, um, and Dave, you got to see a little bit of this in California. Ron has yeah, yeah. still um, keeps very diligent notes. Um, and I do this too. And I actually learned this from Ron, like a lot, you know, like my business is very small and I don't touch a lot of cars. So my, it's easy for me to, to manage my service books, you know, my, my books, because there's not a lot of information. And so Ronnie writes down, he still has the book. He writes down the car he did, the time he did it, you know, the time he spent on it. And he's got books going back, you know, decades of this stuff. So when Ron was here, he, you know, he, he left and he was like, he goes, man, I, he took diligent notes of all the tools and equipment that he needed to buy. And he went back to California, Ferrari bought him all this stuff. And then he started going to town and within a year's time uh, of him kind of implementing these processes and procedures, Ron went from doing one for one new, new car prep Ferrari a day uh, to doing 2.5 where he's he and that's that's kind of contingent on on the workload but essentially he can get two of them done in a day and prep the other one that point five is kind of getting the next vehicle prepped for you know the next day if he needs to so there are situations uh where one vehicle might take a little bit longer than another um but i think this is going to kind of tie in cool because you know just like we are with gloss university where we were you and i are we're we're really kind of theory based and mm. we're not so product centric. And, and that's what I really love about you because even though you have a, you know, a car care company, you're also very transparent, kind of like, well, you know, there, there, you know, you could use this and you could use this. So, you know, when Ron left, you know, I was showing him some of the Oberg stuff and I, and I think I showed him some, um, some Aguirre stuff and I, we, you know, we used a couple different things, but specifically when it came to pads, um, I sent Ron, back with uh, some Oberg pads and some Meguiar's pads. And I think they ordered um, a whole bunch of Meguiar's pads first um, just because of accessibility. You know, he's mm-hmm. in California, Meguiar's is in California. But he ran into this issue real quick where the Meguiar's pads just weren't holding up. And I told him, and I was like, you need to use the Oberg pads because they're built, you know, the construction of the pad is just a little bit better and you're going to get more life out of it. And so I, I kind of feel like, and, and this is, I don't even know if you ever heard this story, Dave, and we're, we're telling it live right here on the <laughs> podcast, but I kind of feel like that was where the tipping point to me, where Ron really was just like, this whole work stuff's awesome. Mm-hmm. And once he saw how awesome those pads were, he was like, he's like, we're, we got to use this and we got to use this. And so Ronnie really kind of like full core hard press. He kicked out their vendor that they had in there, the old route truck guy, which was basically me, right? <laughs> the, the job yeah. I had for 20 years, threw that guy to the curb, and they started ordering everything from, from O'Burke. And, yep. you know, fast forward a year and, and look at what, what's happened. And Oh, they're huge. And, and they're, it's – Ronnie's just an awesome guy, for one. So that's huge. It's nice to work closely with the guy that's actually doing the work. The – 
the the dealership yeah. it's a small knit dealership there's not a, a lot of people inside Correct. you know i mean it's not small by any means it's the largest um, ferrari dealer in the country but there isn't a ton of people right so everybody right. that works there is great um been really awesome to work with and they've been um some of the driver with well, the last couple of products, um, sure, and have kind of opened the doors with other things too, with um, usage for APS and, and and different things like that. So, um, right. with them with them kind of going all in with um, just being really happy with the paint correction side and and the basic chemical needs, um, we came out with the glass cleaner because they needed yep. a glass cleaner, and that was what kind of drove um, developing a polymer based glass cleaner. Um, yeah, I want you, know, you to talk a little bit about that because I mean, California's got pretty strict VOC laws. So there was yeah. there's kind of a, you know, there it's, it's, you gotta be really close attention to detail when developing something like that. But yeah. And I mean, essentially with, without getting like super technical, you're essentially cleaning it with a quick detailer with some sort of a cleaner surfactant. In it. And, mm -hmm. um, so to be able to do that, not streak the window, um, and create, create like a good user experience is, isn't as easy as just like a isopropyl alcohol based glass cleaner, or even an old school ammonia based glass cleaner. Those products work great. Mm -hmm. Um, but most people have transitioned away from ammonia based products to the alcohol and now alcohol is a high VOC in California and some States. So it's not even that you have to have like a prop 65 label. They don't even allow you to ship into it. So a lot of coding companies are having issues with their, you know, prep. Um, sure. I, you know, I, they deal with it with, uh, you know, paint protection film, people that use a lot of IPA. Right. Yeah. Makes and, sense. um, certain products that are just hazardous now or, you know, categorized as hazardous by California and, mm -hmm. um, how they're viewing those things. So, um, they were, um, they need, there was a need for that product for them. And at the same time, they were a great place to test it. They yeah. deal with you'd say like, Oh, well it's, it's brand new cars. But one of the interesting things about a lot of the Ferrari cars is that I don't know if it's, you know, material from the leather or mold release or whatever, but it doesn't matter all the time. The windows are dirty. So, uh, and I remember mm -hmm. this a lot when I was maintaining a, a Ferrari collection for an old client 10 years ago or so, or, or longer every week we would, um, clean and maintain these cars. The windows were always foggy, like almost like somebody smoked in them. Uh, sure. And so the windows are always something that needs to be cleaned in there. It has to do a good enough job where it takes that film off fairly, at least for the yep. week or whatever it is. Um, and not streak at the same time. Cause obviously there's material in there that's ending up on the glass that makes it hazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're a good, um, place to test the product out and kind of bring it to market at the same time. And then it was the same thing with the dressing. They needed sure. a, a dressing. So they were a big driver to bring that to market versus, um, maybe something more on the paint side, you know? Um, Correct. So they've influenced some of the products that we've released based on um, some of their needs and being able to provide really great um, feedback on yep. high-end high -end cars, delicate materials, but also high volume. So the repetitiveness of it, um, the ability to see how these products work. And, um, and then that led into the APS. They were already using APS soap for... Yep car washing they loved it um and then one day when i was talking to ronnie he said oh you, you know i'm using this stuff on everything 
And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it's great for bugs and it's great for car wash. stuff." he's like, no, I use it for the engine bay and I use it for the wheel wells and I use it for, um, interiors. interiors. Yeah. And I was like, you use it on interiors. Eh? He's like, yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, so he told me what he was diluting it to. Um, and I started using it and, I, and it works fantastic. Um, it's plant-based. So it's still, it's, it's less, um, less risky to use on materials than like an APC. Not that APCs are, are extremely harsh, but they can be a little hot, a little alkaline. Uh -huh. And, um, uh -huh. so it's safe, safer than that. And, um, I started to realize like, oh, there's some, a lot of leather cleaners are plant-based and, um, it does a really good job cleaning leather. And, um, so they're, they're one of the drivers for that, but they also use it on sticky buttons. So, yep. mm -hmm. A lot of European vehicles, Ferrari specifically, they have like rubberized texture on the buttons and um, yep. they deteriorate Deteriorate no matter what. No yeah. Matter what. And just depending on the climate is how long it takes to do that. Um, so they either use the solution and spray it on and scrub it off or if they're um, pieces that are a little bit more intact when they're refinishing all of the pieces together, they'll let it soak in the APS straight and then, and then just strip it off the next morning. And it comes yeah. right off. So they're using it for a ton of different uses. Um, yeah, they have. Be because it is plant-based, I guess they um, somehow, you know, Ferrari corporate kind of acknowledged it a little bit from what I what I was told. And um, they really enjoy the fact that it's uh, yeah. plant-based, safe for the environment, organic, and um, that it works well. So it's been a, it's been a cool the last year working with them has been really cool. And that's all based yeah. on, you know, training relationships, oddly enough. And sure. Um, yeah. Just, uh, working together to Ronnie and I, we got the stories go back and it's cool. It's, it's kind of cool standing in the seat that, you know, when we were in California and he's, we were telling stories from the past of like, I'm like, man, Holy smokes. It's been a long time, you know? And I really think it's, it's, it's almost like inspiring for me to see because, you know, this industry is tough and this is hard work mm -hmm. and it's not easy and it can, it's, it's sometimes depressing and stressful and to see yeah. Ronnie's positive attitude, you know, at 53 years old, it's kind of like, and to see him work as hard as he does. I mean, he, that guy's on his feet all day long oh, and yeah. he works basically two full-time jobs, you know, he and crawls around like a 20 year old. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's so it's it, it's really kind of cool, but I think it's really awesome that two were you're kind of like telling the stuff live about you know I'm sure there's a lot of viewers that don't even really know that Ferrari was doing a lot of testing for a lot of the Oberg stuff, and that's the yeah. when Ronnie told me that he was, you know, I had when APS came out and we were talking about plant based stuff, and I was really full core press into testing it to see what it cleans. You know, I was using it for engines and door jams and stuff like that, but. I, the thought crossed my mind like oh i should try it on interiors but i never you know i never followed through mm -hmm. and then when ronnie was telling me he's like he's like yeah I, I cleaned this he was telling me something some delicate material on like an sf90 and i was like wait you used aps on the inside of a ferrari and he was like yeah was like, it was perfect That's perfect. i was like holy smokes and so like the first thing i wanted to do was was go and start using it on interiors and mm -hmm. truth be told you know these the last three cars that i've been working on um I've had to do uh, interior detailing minus no carpet shampooing, but I've had to clean all the hard surfaces. So the seats and the doors and um, I've been using APS uh, with some different utilities and instruments. And I'm just still totally just 
blown away like how perfect it cleans a leather seat like there's no there's no film it's not sticky it's soft it's like like make like this like the same squeaky clean that you get on the paint is the same yep. squeaky clean you get on the vinyl and the leather yeah um, i just wrote a, a blog for detailed image for aps i'm, I'm not sure when that'll be coming out but it kind of goes over the different uses and the dilution ratios and stuff we have a blog on the Oberg website too but um I, I wrote a different blog for them and um, that should be coming out soon well i was super blown away that um talking to stan i think the the mechanic's name was stan um the guy by the door and he was telling mm -hmm. us that how when they started you know they would take the the bolts out of the engines and they soak oh, yeah, right. overnight yep. and and he was saying you know he was just like okay so it's another cost cutting measure because they were using uh, i don't know if they were using uh acetone or if they were using brake cleaner but he was saying that those aluminum bolts uh, on those cars when they would use a strong solvent it would it would kind of like flash burn the bolts and so it would kind of discolor them where now they just soak them in APS overnight and then they pull them out and they're like perfect. Like yep. they just came out of the bag. Like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so I just was like, holy smokes, this is this is a really cool thing. And I think for the stuff that we're doing in the future with, um, I think it ties in very nicely, right? Because I was thinking about that this morning about how, you know, with you creating Operc and the whole, you know, the whole line removed the guesswork, mm -hmm. right? Where you were tying it back to when we started this podcast, it's like, you know, a lot of detailing is your problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. Your critical thinking. So if like, if now you have this product that is so universal that, you know, you, it becomes predictable, that helps you solve problems and that leads to being efficient. And so, you know, I think it was really, really cool for us to have that opportunity to go and, and work, you know, I mean, Ferrari you know, brought us out there to, you know, work side by side, Ronnie, help him get some new cars ready for delivery. And basically, I don't want to use the word grade, Ronnie, but that's what his personal request was, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he, yeah, he wanted a grade. He wanted a grade. He wanted a grade. Remember, he's like, okay. So wait, 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 what do I got? What, what's my grade? Do you remember what I said? Do you remember? Do you, no. Do you, do you remember what I said? I was like, I'm like, all right, Ron. I'm like, you want the grade? I'm like, I'm like, I think you deserve a B plus, but I'm just going to give you an A minus because you're my friend. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, well, why not the A plus? And I was like, well, you're still using these old chamois. I'm like, everything is good, but you're not using a yeah. microfiber drying towel. They were still trying yeah, these yeah. old Ferraris with like, like grandma's old rug or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, not what is the deal either. with this? We got it state of the art, everything, but we're using these old school freaking chamois to dry down the car. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it worked all right, but it was like, no, this is not, no, we need. No, it need worked. It worked all right. You're right. It did work all right. I yeah. mean, but you know, um, especially when you're prepping the car afterwards, it you know, but but still, he's got a nice DI setup, so it's not like he get water spots or anything like that. But it, it's yeah, you got it. It's a time it, saver. Um, you got to yeah. I mean, dude, and I, I, I'll be honest. You know, when I mean, in the early days, you know, some of the boutiquey things. When boutique things started to make its way to detailing, I kind of feel like a microfiber drying towel was kind of boutique. -y. Like, so mm -hmm. if, if you go back, you're right, go back to 2017, 2018, when I was still selling products, you know, like not many people in the wholesale world used uh, microfiber drying towels. They're too expensive. No, yeah, they're too expensive. You, know I mean? and you got to care for them a certain way. And yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I just do specialty work now. So hit the mic. Um, so it's not it's kind of limited but when i had my shop before i had microfiber drying towels just for my hiring clients yeah. because 
the way I looked at it is I, I would use, they, they're called super towels. I still have a ton of them, um, but they're, I don't know, like a 16 by 24 Terry towel. Okay. Um, like a bath towel kind of, but um, they're, you got to wash them a couple times to break them in. Yeah. Um, they definitely scratch cars, but when you're doing, you know, everyday drivers running the middle stuff, you're prepping it to polish it. It, none yeah. of that stuff matters. And, and honestly, I would use it even on the higher end cars too. It's the only reason I never did it is because like, if I was prepping a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or McLaren or, or any, any exotic or high end car or extravagant car, like a lot of the times there's curves and contours and recessed sure. lights and different things like that. And I don't want to scratch those areas because sure. if I can m mitigate the amount of time I spend on that little polishing, which Holy. adds up a lot on those cars. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, you know, but other than that, I, I would have no problem using a Terry towel on it too and blowing out the cracks just because I'm going to polish the little car. So it's not really a big deal. It's light marring, not a big deal. Right. Um, but right. yeah, I, <clears throat> now it's all, you know, it's all microfiber just cause I, it's like I said, it's limited, but. Well, I'll tell you the first time I used a microfiber drying towel, I was like, where have you been my whole life? Like, I would say that for the twist ones, but yeah, for, yes, yes. And I, I remember that cause I went to, when I was in, um, Germany in, oh, what was it? It's 2023, 2016. And, um, my friend Samir out there came up to the booth and he's like, you will never believe these towels. These are excellent <laughs> towels. And he, he's, nobody's ever seen it. And it was, it was a twist weave towel um, that he had from one of the suppliers that he visited every two years, whatever. And uh, he was right. I'm like, I don't know. I touched it. I was like, I don't know. This thing seems rough. You know, like it's, and, and they are, some of them aren't as, as soft as the other ones, but they, they do work very, very well. And uh, they're my favorite. Um, hands down, but like any of the old fluffy ones, even the, the, the bougie, um, plush drying towels, they're just hard to take care of. You know what I mean? You're not like, wrong about that either, buddy. Terrible to take care of. And, uh, they're for select cars only. <laughs> they're for select. Yeah. I'm like, you know, well, it's funny because while we're on the topic of towels, I I'm enjoying this because I always, I dealt with this objection all the time at the dealerships where, um, you know, people were always struggling cleaning getting streaks on mm -hmm. on the on the windows and everyone would blame the the glass cleaner right so it's my fault because i sold them a glass cleaner your glass cleaner yep. sucks it streaked the window right but meanwhile they got the used car you car, you know used car guys new car people service guys coming their towel management was just terrible Probably. so they would go from using like a wax contaminated towel, stuff you know so it's like i'm like guys like this okay, the first thing you need to do, the very first thing you need to do immediately to, to render the problem is switch to a paper towel. That's the only way to fix it right away. Like you can, you can change it out over time, but if you, if you try to get just a specific towel in a business like that, you're always going to get streaks. So I, I would just put the guys in the blue seafold towels right away. There you go. Yeah. Use a blue paper towel because it would just, it would render the problem until we found out a better solution, but at least it would fix the problem right away. No doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but. I, I, when I microfiber drying towels really totally changed my life. So I think, I think Ronnie's status has since been graded from an A minus to an A plus. Correct. Yeah. And his ears must have been ringing because he literally just called me on the phone right now. That's funny. I, that you know, funny. the, the, there's a certain level where like there's towels that obviously are the best for certain applications like the drying towels. But 
Um, it, it's interesting to see how so many different people like so many different towels and um, use them for different purposes. And uh, that's one of the things when I, I used to talk to Levi a little bit more, but I, I think I made the suggestion to him a long time ago. I was like, you should do like, take guys that are well-known in the industry and almost make like little baseball cards with their like preferred towel for what their usage is because. Oh, that's awesome. One guy that yeah. likes this glass towel. The other guy likes this glass towel. This guy likes this drying towel. And, um, a lot of it's personal preference, but, um, even, even within the category itself, you know, if that makes sense. Well, I, all the detailers, if they're listening to this podcast, I'm sure a lot of them can relate to me. If they're still like me, I still hate cleaning glass. Yeah, it's right the now. worst part of the job. It's just Hands like, down and it's, the worst part. And, and it, you know, cleaning outside glass is easy because you have access to it. But cleaning inside windows, you're like a freaking baller. You're like bent over. Your arms yeah. are in the air. You're like, oh, I, I miss. I used to, I used to hate the um, Porsche GT3 RSs the most with the, mm-hmm. or or any 911 with the rear cage in it, because mm-hmm. you have to be like pretty in shape and be able to do gymnastics like a monkey in order to get yeah. up into that rear window without like a, a tool or something. Right. And I think there's stuff out there now where it's like magnet tools, things like that, mm-hmm. where you can almost like clean in a fish tank. Yeah. Um, yep. But either way, yep. you still got to reach, reach back there and get it in there. Dude, it's, so. it's the worst. That's, I mean, yeah. yeah, I still, I'm just always like, Oh, you know, and you always, you know, you always get a spot, but I mean, I, here, truth be told, I've been using the old school ammoniated glass cleaner forever. And then since, um, you know, number one, the breathing in the ammonia on the inside of the car is never any fun. Mm. Um, the new Obert glass cleaner is, I mean, it smells fantastic, almost like you want to drink it. Mm. But se- secondly, I think the part that I really appreciate about it is that it, it, stay, it seems to stay wet for a longer time. It doesn't flash yeah, sure. as fast. So, you know, I, when I clean windows, I, because of that, I still use, I use two towels. I use a paper mm-hmm. towel first and I float the paper towel over it so it can kind of dispense it evenly. And then I send it home with a clean microfiber towel. And I usually have pretty good luck with that. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I do it. Um, but I've noticed that the, um, the Oberk glass cleaner is definitely, um, stays wet for a little longer. So if you, if you happen to find a little streak in the corner, or a little booger or something, you can. You can drive it up in the corner and it works really well. I wanted to make sure it just had a, a slick wipe off because I think that's the one thing I hate about cleaning windows is clean glass is like a freshly ceramic coated or glass coated vehicle, mm-hmm. like the traditional, like some of the older C-Courts or um, any any of the traditional glass coatings or ceramic coatings where you'd apply it and it would harden like a glass, like a mud right. or something like that. or And then it would have like kind of some drag behind yeah. it because it's like clean glass, right? Yeah, you're um, right. You're right. So the, the idea was to be able to like easily wipe it where it kind of had a slick wipe off. So as you were dry buffing it, it wasn't like you were getting a workout and sweating and fogging up the window at the same time. Sure. Um, Cause that's always what I hated back in the day doing the dealership stuff. You're like, you're, you're busting hump and you're just like, starting yeah. to sweat as you're in the back getting it perfect and then you see it start to fog back up and you're like get me out of here get me out of here yeah yeah, like, yeah. just give me clean glass i'm done dude it's it's so funny i remember you know we used to always use when i started working at the the dealership we always use newspaper yeah we use new we use newspaper for a long long time until i forget what what version i forget one of the hyundais that came out because it was pontiac and, and hyundai and honda mm-hmm. um 
but I forget we would, you know, we would, we wouldn't pay attention that the newspaper would transfer over to our hand, like the dye. And then we'd touch other okay. parts on the car and then get, okay. <laughs> get the dirt. And there was a Hyundai that had this white interior. They were like, don't use newspaper on it. And you're going to get the dye all over the inside of the car. But yeah, fast forward 30 years and it's still like, man, cleaning glasses is not that fun. But I think it's rewarding when, they, like you said, when the glass is clean, you're like, all right. Yeah, it's, it it's it's the the worst part of the job, but it's the most important because it draws it all together. You can't have like a perfect paint, and then you got smudges in the windows, and you're like, meh. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's not right. No, no, it's not yeah. right. No, and that's you know, and it's 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 pretty cool to see, you know, tying it back into Ronnie or you know, at and at his he's he's over here like you said, you're busting hump in the back window. Here's Ronnie cleaning these, you know, because some of the that's the hardest part cleaning some of these exotic cars is accessibility to things. It's yeah, like there's sure. no access it's like well, how do you what do you what do you do but you know do we take it apart do we put the car in the air what how do we clean this thing now it's like you know in a perfect world and i i think you know it was really refreshing to kind of just be able to have an open honest conversation with both ronnie and the management at the ferrari store to see kind of like you know like what their maybe long-term goals might be and what are some of the things that they might want to do i mean there's talks of them kind of expanding um and adding on some of these other services um you know because i i think the clientele with some of these ferrari places it's it's tough it's you would think it would be an easy sale but i i was also putting we were talking to one of their service guys and it's just like a lot of the people that spend that kind of money on cars they kind of think like everything's included. Like I just mm -hmm. spent all this money, and then you should have this, and it should be like that, and you should use this. But it's uh it's definitely I learned a lot being out of Ferrari. Um, I also learned that the fallout in California is like the most ridiculous fallout um, that I've ever seen. Maybe maybe it's not compared to Canada. The Canada fallout that I saw up by Craig that's pretty ridiculous too. But um, being right that Ferrari is right next to that four hundred five. Like some of these cars that just sit out there for weeks at a time, all the brake dust that just makes it over in the parking lot. I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> so you, we ended up doing some work at a private collection. You and I worked after hours on one of the mechanics Porsches. And we're, you know, I was doing wash prep and it was just like the fallout on this Porsche that, it, what was it? It was like a 2016 Porsche Cayenne, something like that. Black Macan. one. Macan, Macan. yeah. Oh, it was a Macan. It wasn't Macan. Yeah, it was the Macan. That's right. And I was like, even after washing it with APS and then like using the the mitt, you know, the clay mitt, there, we started getting buffing. And it was still turning the like the pads orange. Like there was just fallout just like ingested in that paint from just yeah. years. I was yeah. like, oh my God. You know, so um, California was the being at Ferrari. That whole trip was super cool. And I was like, I can't believe that was just uh Dave, that was really like a month ago. Mm -hmm. Actually, the day, yeah, we're recording, the day we're recording that podcast uh, today is, I mean, it's a month ago when we got back. From, when we got back, yep. Which feels like an almost like two months ago. Correct. I mean, with all the stuff that's been going on, I mean, it's just been, it's been really difficult and challenging for us, you know, to, to stay focused and all this stuff. And I mean, I, I we, I want to make sure we do a part two of all this stuff to talk about the SEMA stuff too. We got so you much know, stuff because, we would, uh, yeah, we, we had so much stuff. We, we, did, we did, we covered the Robbie Layton stuff. We did the Ferrari when did some more stuff in California, then that's came what, back. Yeah, well, that's then, right. Then did the, um, ring brothers cars, mm -hmm. a couple of them, then 
you went down roadster the roadster shop, shop and then yep. came back to the ring brothers to do those cars mm -hmm. and um and then i did some other stuff in the middle there uh, um, a 2003 sema car mm -hmm. and uh just a ton of stuff man just non-stop well i want you to talk a little bit about um um the jccs the japanese class car show yeah because i know that was like i mean like and and i'm gonna let you talk about this but i remember i remember you and i when when we were kind of getting the ring brother stuff together for um for the summer class when we did the mm -hmm. you were i remember you saying yeah we should go out to california there, there's this car show that i've always wanted to go to blah 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 blah. i want to go i want to go and then when we kind of teed up the uh, going to california to visit ferrari it just coincided like coincidentally like we're yeah. like hey it's that weekend right and yep. so it was like that was like icing on the cake for you i know i mean it was very cool i love those cars but i know it's it it resonates a lot more with you um and i want you to talk a little bit about what took place um when you uh when you went down because friday our last day our last working day i stayed at ferrari uh with ronnie and we had a little meeting in the afternoon with management and you went down to um i you went down to well you're wearing a shirt right <laughs> yeah look Koto at Koto coatings you went down to Koto coatings yep um yeah because well, so, he yeah. was getting some cars ready for the for he was for the show yeah he had a, show. had a boot he had a booth there and um so i had reached out to him prior um i had met him it kind of goes back to some other detailing projects. I, I was invited to go along for a project at Dreddy Performance with uh, the guys from uh, Chicago Auto Pros, mm -hmm. Jason Otterness, and um, at the time, Eric was with G-Technic. So mm -hmm. they had asked me to come along and, and do a project for Kenji um, and his son over at Gretty Performance. And at that time, I met a guy named Ty, who owns mm -hmm. Koto Coatings. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we just kind of hit it off. He was, he's a super nice guy. Um, we're into kind of the same things. He likes cool cars, regardless sure. of what they are, but he likes um, some of the same kind of stuff. And he's into the, the car scene out there. Um, I was super stoked. I, I've been meaning to go to this show for a long time. They, the year that I went out and did that video and did that work with them, um, I believe G-Technic went out for that show and uh i just thought it was really cool I've, I've always wanted to go to it in the first place i like old japanese cars that's what i got into sure. when i was turned 16 and um and at this point you know i'm old so those cars are um i don't know classics now kind of totally. so yeah so um just wanted to go and check out the show so originally um i had just kind of reached out and said hey I'll, i want to come come out and hang for the day if you, if you got time and he said yeah let's do friday he was originally supposed to be done with all of his projects and stuff but um called him and said hey, dude i actually could use some help i got this car another gritty car it's a r33 skyline and uh i need to have it finished tonight for the gritty party and then we can go over to gritty hang out there yeah. have some food hang out and uh just kind of relax before the show on saturday sure so i went out there and we polished that car for the day, um, got it done, literally got it done right in time, got it ceramic coated and, and out the door to put on stage at the 
at the Gretty building there where they had the event sure. and um, hung out, saw some cool cars, met some of his friends, and then met some of the rest of them on Saturday when we went to the show. But um, a lot of guys with really, really cool um, builds, some pretty rare cars for kind of the Japanese collector collector mm -hmm. scene. So, um, Which is a big deal on the West Coast, which I, you know. Um, yeah, vintage, you know, especially, I mean, Japanese cars have always been bigger. The car scene has always been bigger on the West Coast just because there's a lot more people. Um, sure. And uh, that's one of the reasons. But but nonetheless, the, the vintage Honda scene has definitely taken off a lot in the last few years from what I've seen, um, where people are just kind of really into some of the older 80s and 90s nostalgic Hondas and stuff like that. Um, so it was cool that we had had the opportunity to go to the show on Saturday. You came later. I went early um, yep. and helped helped kind of get ready. Uh, Brought down Ronnie and, the, and his kids. Yeah, that was a good time. And um, Ty had a booth there for Koto Coatings. Um, G-Technic had sponsored that and kind of gone in on on having a booth there so it was Coda coatings sure. and technic and they had a cool cool lineup of cars they were next to gretty so that that car that we had done was um one of the cars lined up for gretty and then moving down the line um he one of his friends greg has a lot of really really cool cars but he's got a i i, I don't think they made more than 50 of them or something but i'm not a huge like skyline enthusiast where i know all these details but um it's a R34 GTR, so the, the, what I think is the cool one. A lot, a lot of people think it's a cool one. Um, sure. In a Millennium Jade green paint, which was super rare, and it's a um, uh, what is it? The Nur or whatever. It's it's the it's like the unicorn of GTRs, R34 GTRs, in like the best color combo. So okay. Okay. The thing is flawless. He did all the work on it and, and coded it. That that thing was awesome. He had another guy there with a um uh NSX that had all the Mugen catalog on it, which is a lot of these parts are extremely rare and old. Um he had the full catalog on it. The car hadn't been seen in maybe eight years. Mm -hmm. Um another one of his friends, um Jason, who had a a ninety you know, I can't remember the year, but it was a 92 to 95 hatchback, um, civic hatchbacks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this thing was top to bottom redone and done very, very well. And then he also had his NSX there, which was very nice too. And, uh, Emola orange pearl, I think is the color. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong on that, but it's a, it's the orange NSX low numbers made in that color and, um, just a cool spread of cars, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it was neat. Um, got to get my last Japanese car fix in before we headed home. That was your first time going Saturday. on the show, though, right? You've never yeah. been to one of those. Yeah. No, no. And and we have a lot of really nice builds out here. I mean, honestly, for being in the Midwest, we're kind of spoiled, in, at least in the Honda world, um, because yeah. we have some pretty big players in that mm -hmm. here. We've got um, uh, King Motorsports, Scott over at King um, with yep. Mugen, and then... You also have real time racing, which is Peter Cunningham. Um, he's had a lot of Honda affiliation and he's got the Honda collection hall here with his enormous collection of Honda bikes and cars, like one of sure. almost everything. Yeah. Um, so between like the Pikes Peak and the road racing and the King Motorsports and, um, and real time, there's a lot of 
you know, like old school influence in the Honda world here still. Totally. So um, we have a good scene here. It's just, it's not as big. So you get to see a lot of stuff. It's a that lot might of change rare over the parts. Next few years, though. That might change. Yeah. You know, I mean, you never know. I mean, I didn't, I'm looking forward to building my Honda and I'm looking yeah. forward to getting that car back on the road next year. So, yeah. Um, There'll be a, we'll we'll be talking a lot more about that, and I'm sure I'll be picking your brain a little bit as that stuff unfolds because um, that's finally going for paint and body. I'm taking it uh, right after Thanksgiving. It's going uh, to the body shop uh, right after the week after Thanksgiving. So it'll be uh, I'm I'm excited and nervous. I kind of like bought yeah. myself an extra year of time, which is good because I've been able to save a little bit more money, so I'll be able to do cooler stuff to the car. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I got the PDR guy scheduled to come um Friday now to uh go around the type R, take okay. care of all the dents in it and get it kinda touched up and looking decent and yeah. Um start collecting parts for it. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so we'll we're both gonna have Honda projects kind of mm -hmm. like on unfolding uh over the next year, which would be super cool to to kind of vlog and talk about, right? I mean it's oh, just yeah, like definitely. You know, and I mean, as we get close to ending the, the this episode of the podcast for the day, it's kind of like, you know, as part two of this, we'll be talking about the SEMA stuff, but like being around some of the SEMA cars and like the most ridiculous amount of money that goes into these cars, this is like maybe our way to build like a cool car, but do it on a budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty right? much. Because it's like, we talk about these cars and some of the, the, the money that goes into some of these builds of these cars. It's it's, it's mind boggling. It, it really is insane. And it's like, you know, I don't think pitchers do justice. I mean, the pitchers are kind of like, wow, but you stand in front of some of these cars that these, these guys put together and it's just like, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely inspiring, you know, um, the amount, and the it, amount of skill that goes into it is just insane. And it's the guys there yeah. on another level. Yeah. And just, you know, for being progressive forward thinking, it's just like, you know, like, okay, well this part, you gotta have this, you gotta order this, you gotta have that. And like mm -hmm. all that goes into assembling something like that, you know, and it's like a year sounds like a long time, but knowing how fast, you know, this year went by and how, how much work a team of people can do in a year. Um, it's pretty exciting. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for a lot of the stuff. I know I say that a lot. I'm, I'm also exhausted. <laughs> I know we both are. It's Me just too. been, you know, and I, I, the last, last year when the fall came, my, my service business was still busy, but it was, it was not as busy as the summertime. And this year, um, I mean, I can't, I can't keep up with a lot of work. I've been deferring a lot of work away just because I have just too much on my plate. Yeah. Um, I'm in over my head. Yeah. That's been the theme of the year. Maybe that's, uh, that'll be the name of this podcast in over our heads. <laughs> right. Cause that's kind of how it's. That's kind of how it's been, which, yeah. which it isn't, it isn't a bad thing. It's, I mean, just kind of slowing es down. I mean, you know, escape, um, from, escape before you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the truth be told, like, that's why I, I mean, I was the very last, as we ended last season's podcast, I was telling everybody like, I'm going to, it's, we're taking a little break. I don't know when we're going to do the next podcast, but you know, here we are like more than a month has passed. And it's like, holy smokes, you know, went from small business, September and totally skipped through SEMA October and now we're back at it here in November. So, yeah. um, I'm excited for, um, for all this stuff and, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna be making some more videos. Uh, once I actually, I have a ton of content, um, mm -hmm. and, and you do as well from the stuff that we took, um, you know, that we recorded at Ferrari. Um, so there's and Robbie's. As the, and yep. Robbie's and Robbie's. So 
once we actually kind of like once the I, I close the shop for the winter time and I can get some time in front of the computer and just work uh, as long as I work on cars. If I when I get that time in front of the computer, we're going to put out some cool videos um, coming down the pipe here real soon. So um, I guess stay tuned. Right. Yeah. I got the new one out right now for the for the charger. We did the charger video. So you can check that out on the Obert channel on the YouTube yeah, plug channel. That real quick here before we end today, today Dave. I mean, because that'll be a good way to tee yeah. us up for part two we you you made the video for the um for the tusk build yep we did um ring brothers tusk uncaged which was the mustang and um, paramount which is the rolls rice we had mm -hmm. um two different occasions where went out there and detailed and prepped those cars and i recorded uh the process and just the few days that we spent there each time and um, put together a vlog it's out on the obrick youtube channel um, and it is kind of a behind the scenes of preparing the Ring Brothers Tusk Charger for its debut at SEMA. Yep, perfect. What's what's yeah. sanding and polishing? And you know what I'll do too for everybody that's listening to this podcast. I will um, I'll put that link in the description below. So if you're you can scroll to the bottom of the the podcast, and if you haven't seen it yet, I know um, I've watched it twice and I've gotten a few messages on it, and it's 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 cool because it's. I think for us, it'll be special. You know, it's like, it's cool now, but I think it'll be even cooler like five or 10 years from now. Yeah, like, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, my Ober channel doesn't, I mean, we're not a huge channel. We're not YouTubers really. So um, right. it doesn't normally get a lot of views. That video, surprisingly, I mean, I've done Ring Brothers videos in the past that perform, you know, not that great, and, you know, but we got a lot of views on it. So, which is sure. great. And um, so if you see it and you have any suggestions of what you like or don't like about it, leave a comment. Let yeah. me know. Try to make yeah. better videos, and hopefully you like them and keep doing it. So, dude, it's super great. Well, Dave, I think it's um, I, I'm really happy we were able to do this today. Yeah, I know. Um, we're Put gonna hammer wrap up that second for, one. Yeah, we'll wrap up for today, and then we'll we'll kind of get part two in here as soon as possible, so we can kind of talk about some of the fun stuff that um, maybe. Some of the fun stuff and some of the chaos that took place uh, in October for prepping these cars for SEMA. But so appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode of Driven by Details. See ya.